Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Thursday, December 14th. Coming up, a Kansas City baker will compete in a national competition. We'll sit down with her to ask what makes her treats so sweet. But first, some headlines. Missouri's attorney general is attempting to block a subpoena seeking records about his cost estimate for a proposed abortion rights amendment. KCUR's Noah Taborda reports. A ballot initiative filed earlier this year seeks to add rape and incest exceptions to the state's abortion ban and legalize the procedure through 12 weeks. Attorney General Andrew Bailey says he would not defend the amendment if approved and instead hire outside counsel. He estimates that would cost about $21 million. A lawsuit challenging the estimate is asking for records explaining how Bailey reached that number and the hiring process for an outside attorney. He's asking a Cole County judge to block a subpoena for that information. A spokeswoman for Bailey declined to comment to the Missouri Independent. Three years after taking on the dual role of University of Missouri System President and Chancellor of the Columbia campus, Moon Choi's total pay has quietly approached $1 million. Harshan Rattenpal has more. In 2020, the UM System Board of Curators voted to merge the two roles and extend Choi's employment contract with no pay increase, saying the model was more cost-effective. Since then, the Columbia Missourian reports the board has increased Choi's pay from about $670,000 to about $1 million. The university chose not to publicly announce raises to Choi's salary. Gene Manecki, an attorney who works with Missouri Open Records and Meetings Law, says salary discussions should not happen in closed-session meetings. The death of a Wyandotte County man at a prison in Lansing has been ruled a homicide. Kaylin Moore of the Kansas News Service reports. Preliminary autopsy results indicate 29-year-old inmate Darianse Terrell Charles Lott died by strangulation. The Kansas Bureau of Investigation was notified of his death on November 25th when he was found in his cell unresponsive and life-saving measures were attempted. Charles Lott had been at the Lansing prison since November of 2011. He was serving a 172-month sentence for aggravated battery with intent to harm. KBI says in a release that a male suspect at the same prison has been identified, but no charges have been filed. A group of Lawrence business owners is suing the city and asking a court to disband two homeless camps. The lawsuit says the camps endanger public health and safety. The city established the camps more than a year ago as a temporary measure to deal with homelessness. Rick Renfro owns Johnny's Tavern near one of the camps. He says he joined the lawsuit because Lawrence needs to find a long-term solution. Everybody in town wants safe public spaces. We want everybody to be able to use the library, the homeless and the little kids. We want people to come to town without having to feel like they got to give to panhandlers. City leaders have shared plans for a long-term shelter with modular homes, but there's no firm timeline for when that will happen. A 150-foot Ferris wheel off of I-35 in Kansas City will open to the public tomorrow. KCUR's Savannah Holly Bates reports. The KC Wheel will open from noon to 10 p.m., complete with a 16-hole mini golf course. It passed state and city inspections earlier this week. The Ferris Wheel was supposed to open in November. Officials have not given a reason for the delay. 
The Wii will be the centerpiece of a future entertainment district called Penway Point. The district includes several bars and restaurants as well as a neon museum. Developers of the district, which sits on what used to be an undeveloped lot, have previously said they plan to seek a 10-year, 50% property tax abatement and establish the area into a community improvement district, where a 1% sales tax within Penway Point will pay for improvements. We'll be back after this. Sarah Seagull started her cookie business, Fountain City Sweets, in 2020, working out of her home kitchen in Olathe. Now the baker is headed for a national stage. She was selected to compete on the Food Network's Christmas Cookie Challenge in an episode that will air December 21st. She told KCUR's Steve Kraske how she turns her cookies into works of art. Before I get to the basics, tell me how you go about making a cookie that truly looks like a tulip. Or some kind of fancy flower. I mean, I've never seen anything like it till I was on your website last night. Yeah. So um, the great thing about working with royal icing, which is an icing that includes egg whites or meringue powder, is that you can change the consistency to lay flat in a nice smooth cookie to cover you know, your whole base. And then you can also make it a stiffer consistency to get that 3D effect of flowers or really specific details. And there's just a variety of ways that you can play with this medium that uh, you can create all kinds of custom works. How much time does it take to create something like that? That is a great question. Um, it just depends on how much detail you're going to use. A mm. lot of my cookies, I will spend anywhere after they've been baked um, and I've made all the icing, I will spend anywhere from five to 10 minutes per cookie, wow. making sure that it's exactly what my clients are looking for. And so I bet you get this all the time. So what if people say the cookie's too beautiful to eat and your response <laughs> is what? There's never a cookie that's too beautiful to eat. They're delicious. <laughs> Just enjoy it. Well, tell me a little bit about Fountain City Sweets and what made you want to start baking cookies, Sarah. So it's it's kind of a funny story. Um, I have always grown up cooking. I love to mix ingredients and things like that. But baking was never really, um, you know forefront for me until a neighbor invited me over to decorate cookies with her and her daycare kids with my one-year-old. And she introduced me to royal icing and I was infatuated with it. I just thought it was such a wonderful way to have a creative outlet, to have a product that you can enjoy and share with others and bring joy to people in a different way than, um, you know, other types of art. And so I, I just became obsessed and, hmm. uh, more people were asking me for cookies than I knew what to do with, and I figured I better start a business for it. Uh, well, your cookies have quite the Instagram following and have even attracted this national audience that I've mentioned. What was your reaction when you were contacted by the Food Network? Um, I actually thought it was spam <laughs> to begin <laughs> with. I um, I couldn't believe it. I, you know, I it was very shocking. Um, my husband was the one who encouraged me to follow up with them and to audition with them when they asked me to. And I'm so glad he did because this year has it has challenged me in ways I probably wouldn't have challenged myself on my own. And I've never grown more as a baker than I have in this last year, thanks to the Food Network. I've heard the interview process was pretty rigorous. Tell us about that. 
Yeah, it sure was. They contacted me back in February. And over the next uh, few months, I did several interviews and cookie demonstrations for them um, before finally finding out that I had made the final cut just a few weeks before we started filming. Hmm. So you went out to L.A. to film this Christmas cookie challenge. For those who don't know, what does that competition entail? Um, So um, historically, this competition is two different challenges. And in the first challenge, you have 90 minutes to bake from scratch to display a specific theme that the judges want to see, where they're going to judge you based on taste, texture, your design, um, the flavor combinations that you're using, and just overall how you carried that theme through your design. And then the second competition, if, you, if you're not eliminated in that first round, the second challenge um, typically involves a 3D structure. So you're building with your cookies. Um, and you get a little bit more time for that. But I'll tell you, Steve, it's not enough time. Really? What was the biggest challenge? Just managing that time you mentioned? Yeah, absolutely. These are cookies I typically spend days um, creating all of my custom sets. Um, I, I will plan weeks in advance for these sets. And on the show, you are given a challenge and you have 90 minutes or two and a half hours to create a work of art for the judges. And so it's it's very much of a, you have to switch your brain and and just really get down to the, the nitty gritty um, to get things done. So how did you handle that given what a change that was for you? Um, that's a great question. The whole thing is kind of a blur for me. So I'm excited to watch the show because I haven't seen it yet. Um, (laughs) But a lot of it was just um, practicing at home before I went figuring out what can I cut out? How can I uh, make things go quicker for myself? um, And just doing some practice rounds of whatever I thought the Food Network might throw my way. Well, can I ask, did you win? Well, you know, you're just going to have to watch with the rest of us. That's to the find deal. I thought you might answer it that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've said you've learned more about baking in the last year than ever before. What are some of the best tips and tricks that you have for, you know, for baking cookies during the holidays? Sure. So um, I would say one of the things that I hear people talk about the most is when they want to bake decorated cookies, they don't want their cookies to spread. And you know, if you're like me, you're, you're hosting people, you've got a lot going on around the holidays and you might forget to set out your butter. My advice is don't put it in the microwave. It, inevitably, you'll forget about it and it'll melt all over the place. And oh. then you'll definitely have cookies that spread all over. So just be patient and, and set out your butter would be my biggest tip. That was Sarah Siegel of Fountain City Sweets and KCUR's Steve Kraske. To hear their entire conversation from KCUR's Up to Date, visit kcur.org. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast is produced by Anna Schmidt and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more local news from Kansas City's NPR station, visit kcur.org. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow. tomorrow.